if you're with me this morning, somebody say amen. 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 If you have your Bible today, we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And if you can just turn there with me this morning, you can turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17. The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17. That's just a verse just to hold for today. But this morning, we're going to start a series today for this new year. Uh, We're going to title it, When His Kingdom Comes. When His Kingdom Comes. And if I had a title for this morning, we're going to talk about light. When light shines the dark. When light shines the dark. Uh, How many people have ever seen the movie The Truman Show? Anybody ever seen that movie? Years ago, it came out. uh, Jim Carrey in the 90s, I think. I'm not sure when. But the simple story of it is, I, won't, I might spoil it for some of you, uh, this man, he's living his perfect uh, Pleasantville life kind of a thing. Everything's perfect, everything's great, but only to find out that his whole life is not really real, that everything is being watched by another world, that there's more to this town than meets the eye. He's never left it, but beyond it, people are watching in and tuning in on this television show that his life is. Uh, and with that same thought, I've been thinking, uh, Lord impressed upon me for this series at the end of last year to really get us to understand just as kind of that concept is that, uh, that all around us, that this world is only temporary. And it's really not the real world that we see Scripture reveal, that there is an eternity beyond this world that the Bible says that there is a heaven, there is a hell. There is a God, there is Satan. And now they're not equals or, or opposites. But there is principalities and powers, the Bible says. There is things in this world today, in this physical world that I see, there are things that may be occurring because of spiritual reasons. Now, there's all kinds of doctrines in the world today that can go crazy off into this. There's a lot of uh, left-wing charismatic movements that will come up with kingdom theology and all this kind of other stuff that we're not getting get on into today. But if we look simply at Scripture, I wonder if we go through our life remembering and thinking, man, this is, there's more to this than meets the eye. That when I go through Walmart or I go uh, in, my, in my backyard or if I go through a trial or a circumstance in my life that I realize maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. Maybe there's a reason I'm feeling this way. Maybe there's a reason something is happening in our country other than the political scene. Maybe there's a reason uh, sickness or this is affecting my family and it might be another reason. Or maybe the reason I'm depressed today and overcome today is not because I have a chemical imbalance. While that might be true, there might be more than meets the eye. And Scripture is very clear about this, that there's a heaven, a hell, angels and demons, forces of good and evil. And in the life of Jesus Christ, we see a lot of spiritual causes for physical and emotional things, things that we see and experience and feel around us. And the message of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist was this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? That's what we're going to look at this next several weeks. What does that really mean? Repent for the kingdom of heaven. I tell you what, if I would go down there to LaSalle General Hospital or Walmart or Burger King or, you know, McDonald's or whatever, and I would just stand out there and say, the kingdom is here. They would think I have the LaSalle Sheriff's Department would probably be there real quick because somebody crazy is out there in the parking lot talking about something weird. 
And I don't think it was quite that different when Jesus did it. That he would show up in a day and a time and his message and John the Baptist before him would say, there is a spiritual heavenly kingdom in the middle of this room today. There is something more in this room today because Jesus Christ has stepped in the building. There's something beyond what you can taste, see, and smell because God is living and walking on the earth today. We don't, I don't know that I notice that all the time, but what is this heavenly kingdom? Where was it? How real was it? Uh, if you look in the dictionary, the, the kingdom means this. It is the realm of a monarch, a king. It's the authority that that person brings, the realm of their rule, their reign, the time that they're reigning, and it also means the people that they reign under. And we're going to look at these next several weeks specifically at the Gospels and specifically at Matthew to take a look at Scripture and see this idea that is kind of unique for us today. It was common for the first century Jew in some way because the kingdom, this theme was central to both Old and New Testaments. It tells the story of God's uh, prophetic plan that God from the very beginning has always wanted to send His Son, the King, and His kingdom to rule and reign on this earth. And it will one day happen again. Somebody say amen. It's going to happen again. But this is the mission of Israel, and it was, it was the mission of Israel, and it's the mission of the church, and it's consistent throughout Scripture that God has desired to send His kingdom. And what does it look like when God's kingdom shows up for real in a community? Now, I'm not talking about just having church. Now, that, that's part of it. That's part of the kingdom, the church and, and, and church attendance and small groups and kids' ministries and all that. That's all part of it. But spiritually speaking, what happens when the kingdom of God takes over Gina High School? What happens when the kingdom of God begins to affect, uh, through our Celebrate Recovery ministry, drug addicts and, and the abused and those that are going through life-controlling issues? What happens when the kingdom of God shows up at your dinner table when you have supper this evening? What happens when the kingdom of God really takes over your children's lives and their children's children's lives? What does that mean? What does that look like? Because there are three kingdoms. I'm going to give you real quick this morning. Uh, this is a good series to take notes on. If you are, it's going to be online tomorrow. But there are three kingdoms the Bible gives us. There is the kingdom of heaven, which is the realm of God, His authority, His angels, and all of His saints. There's the kingdom of darkness we see in Scripture. That's the realm, the authority of Satan, his demons, and those under his dominion. And then we see the realm of man. Now, this is a unique kingdom because it's a broken kingdom. While God's kingdom is united and even Satan's kingdom is united, man's kingdom is divided. Our realm, our authority are the things that we can control. I can, I can move this pulpit. That is in my power to do it. I can, I can eat something. I can decide what job to have. I can decide who to marry and what to do. There are things that we have in our control. But our kingdom is broken because it's fallen. We're purposeless. We have no identity. We're powerless in the spiritual sense. Uh, we can't affect universal change on our own, those types of things. We, we don't have power over the moon and the stars. We can't affect uh, things that are in, internal and emotional. I, we barely have control over our own emotions sometimes, don't we? Uh, there are things that we are powerless to do, and, and we're a divided kingdom. We can't have, even the UN is not working. You know, I mean, we, we can't get nations to work together. We have problems getting even churches sometimes to work together because our kingdom doesn't work. It's divided. 
It doesn't have the solution to world peace. It doesn't have the solution to a healthy marriage. It doesn't have a solution to stay out of drugs. It doesn't have the solution for the right self-image or, or a successful life. It's broken. It's divided. So how can many walk through this life? How many people walk through this life powerless to overcome destructive behaviors? How many people do we know that are bound in the pain of past mistakes? How many people are suffering, suffering broken identities or they're secretly suffering alone? How many people are hopeless to see real change in us or in our families or in our friends' lives despite even any having effort towards religion and church attendance? How many people are longing for lasting joy that doesn't just come on a high or when you do something that feels good or you take a vacation and you come back on Monday and it's gone or you do that drug or you look at that thing? Or you try this or that. You try this relationship or that relationship. You get involved in this activity. You try to put it all into hunting. You try to put it all into this. Really, it's just masking the pain that there is no lasting joy, no lasting peace, no lasting love in your life because we're fighting a battle that's bigger than us, that's between two kingdoms, and we've got to choose a side this morning. If you're with me, somebody say amen. amen. How do we recognize the cause of real pain and suffering in our life and in this world? How real is the kingdom of God to you? And are we walking in the power and the light of God's kingdom? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Number one, there's a kingdom of darkness. Let's talk about that for, for a second. Before we recognize about the kingdom of light, I want to talk about the kingdom of darkness. There is a kingdom full of darkness, one that opposes God. And if we're ignorant of this, we're ignorant of all the whole thing. Because you have to understand who our enemy is and what's up against us today and what the real problem is. There is a kingdom that opposes God led by a man or a being that opposes God in his will. This is a being of rebellion and all manner of evil. He's not a good guy. He's not someone that's just a little red devil on a cartoon in Looney Tunes that pops up on the side of your ear one day. This is a bad dude. He's the enemy of God. He's called the tempter and deceiver in Scripture. Bible says he's sentenced to eternal damnation and his number one goal is to deflect believers, you and I, from knowing God and experiencing His grace. His number one goal in His eternal life is to get you to fall, just like Him. That the whole world would follow Him in His misery. And He succeeded in His mission to tempt us, man, into sin. And because of that, He now rules over this world. He's called the prince of this world, the god of this world or this age. He's a temporary ruler because he tricked us and he took the authority that was God's authority given to us and we fell from it. And because sin now rules the world, he now rules the world temporarily through it. Because he has demons under his control, death is under his control, disease, fallen humanity. And he took authority that was given to man and now he's this prince of the air, the Bible says. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, And every nation of man, Luke 4, verse 5 says, is subject to his authority. Think about that for a second. Do you watch the news today and, and think, Wow, the devil is really involved in this. This is really what he's got going on. Because I think sometimes today we just see our own kingdom. See our own thing. And this may sound weird to you. This may sound very spiritual and lofty and like, Look at this guy's kind of crazy. I'm telling you today, this is Scripture. And if we don't recognize 
that there is more than meets the eye in the world today, that we are spiritual beings first, that God has a plan for us. Because here's the, here's the thing. This is called the kingdom of darkness for a reason. I'm going to explain to you a little bit why that we have to recognize what's going on because there's no manner of psychology or counseling sometimes that can change the heart of man. It's a spiritual issue. Amen? Scripture says we're born in this world. We're sons of disobedience, just as the devil is. It says that when we, we are born, we are in a state of rebellion against God. There is no person who's good enough. There is no good old boys or good old girls. There, there's nothing we can do to get closer to God without Jesus Christ. We are separated from Him, lost and undone. We've got to first come to that idea. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that we all in our natural state live according to unholy desires in the flesh of our minds. And by our minds, we become very, by nature, we are our children and subject to wrath of God. And the Satan, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, he's blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts. So they won't see, get this, the light of the gospel in Christ. That's a very important verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Satan, the God of this world, who is over the kingdom of darkness, has come and blinded the whole world, all of mankind, unbelievers, that we won't see and have true understanding about the real causes for the pain and the suffering and the brokenness of our life. We won't find the real cause for why we feel hopeless, why we feel down and depressed, why we feel like we don't have a purpose, why we're pursuing things that we shouldn't be pursuing, and why in the world does my life not get any better? Why every time I try harder, things get more broke? Anybody ever been in that place in your life before? Okay, good. There's a few of us. We're saved. No, no. <laughs> we all come to this place and we realize, and it says the, the God of this world, has blinded people not to see what? The light of the gospel and Christ. He's darkened them in understanding. Here's the lie today. The lie today around the world and in our community is this, that we have power and we have control. It means that if I work harder, I'll be better. You may get more, you may gain more, you may have comfort in this life, but you'll never be better by your own works. You'll never make it better alone without God. You can do some things. There's some good tips in counseling. There's some good tips that we can do in our life that we can, uh, you know, have a sustainable and, and semi-happy life. But the lie is, is that we have power to affect something more than what we have control over. You see, in the gospel, the Adam and Eve were reaching for this power and trying to be like God. The devil says, if you take of this, uh, this fruit, if you take of this, you'll be just like him. You'll know things. You'll be holy like he is holy. And, and what happens is in trying to take a step up closer to be God, we disobeyed him and what he said he wanted us to do. And in disobedience, we reach for more. And we're trying to become like God. Henry, Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, uh, how people grow. He says, in trying to be like God, we instead lost ourselves because we weren't doing it through His will and His way. Paul says we struggle not against people, but flesh and not in flesh and blood, but of rulers and powers and worldly forces of darkness. He says we struggle against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The Apostle Paul knew this real well. 
He knew that when he went on his journeys with God and he went to got to different places in his life, he knew that even though there were people that were opposing him physically, that there were kingdoms and kings who were opposing him in his journeys to spread the gospel, he knew behind the scenes, behind it all really was spiritual issues. The reason these people don't understand and can't get their life together is really a spiritual issue. You ever talk to someone over and over and over again and never made any headway? Raise both hands. Amen. Over and over again, you're like, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. And no matter, it's like beating your head again. I talked with an atheist one time for six hours, six hours about sin, what it was, just the word sin. Six hours later into the conversation, he still could not comprehend the word sin. The God of this world has blinded unbelievers so they will not see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can think of countless stories. I can think of a young man that I mentored one time, tried to get him into Teen Challenge over and over and over again. He kept going back to drugs, kept going back to women. We kept picking him up off the streets and we'd take him into our home and we would mentor him and pull him off of this. And I'd go to his uh, jail and I'd go to the court and I'd stand up for him and I'd try to... But over and over and over again, he kept going back and kept going back. I think of people today that are lost and done, people I've talked with over the years and counseled with that are so lost in identity. I think of a young man that I talked to whose, whose family had been broken from an early age, whose mom was murdered and uh, suffered abuse at a young age from his grandparents. I think of uh, their stories of loss of identity, of those that I've uh, counseled with falling into homosexuality because of all the years of things in their life and the, the purposeless. They, they feel the judgment from God. They feel the judgment from the world. They feel the, the lack of identity or just the vagrant immorality that they're lost in and they can't even see. I think about people and family members that I've counseled that good, good church going, awesome people of God that I love that fall into the most flagrant immoralities unimaginable that I don't even want to talk about publicly because in some place of their heart, Darkness began to rule and reign. And it wasn't the church attendance that saved them. It wasn't reading their Bible more while that is good and praying. Yes, prayer is the foundation of every believer. But it, what, what it, at the end of the day, it was they allowed darkness to begin to take hold of their heart. And they hadn't let the gospel of Jesus Christ shine over every area. And we're all susceptible to it. I think about people who've begun, people and stories I've been a part of, of people who would be attacking other people for sins they themselves secretly were doing behind the scenes, accusing other people of things they themselves had done. I'm thinking, how in the world can you judge this person when you yourself did that as a sinner? How can you persecute? And begin to see the darkness only to find out these people still were involved in uh, very evil sin behind the scenes. These are stories that we pastors hear quite often. That sometimes in a perfect glossy world, we want to just ignore and say, well, the world is okay. It's not that bad. But that's the lie of the devil. The evidence is this, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says that we all naturally, in our own understanding, walk in the futility. That's the ineffectiveness of our mind. That our minds 
are broken, are ineffective. They're unable to comprehend things of God on their own. They're unable to find happiness on their own. They're unable to find peace on their own. They're unable to do anything of real uh, uh, eternal value on their own because they've been darkened in understanding. Uh, Paul says they are excluded from the life of God because there's an ignorance of darkness in us. He says that, and through this, our hearts, what happens is our hearts become hard. They become callous and they can become callous to the things of God. And we're no longer moved by prayer. We're no longer moved by worship. We're no longer moved by the story of Jesus Christ anymore. It doesn't matter to us that God died and rose again. And we begin callous. And then our hearts then begin given over to sensuality. We're no longer sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we've been darkened from the Holy Spirit. And then when we, we don't bother us anymore when we're given over to a addiction of pornography or addiction of drugs or alcohol or addiction of, of anger or gossip or unforgiveness. That is an addiction, by the way. We get over those things. We become so callous because there's a spiritual issue at stake here. There's habits and hurts and hang-ups we talk about in Celebrate Recovery. The evidence is, is the reason we know this world is broken is because I experience pain. I know this world is broken because I experience regret that we go through broken relationships we know this world is broken because we lack true peace or lasting joy. We lack control. I don't know in your life, but in my life, there's been habits in my life that I've been unable to stop doing on my own. There's been habits in my life of having negative gossip, negativity, or pride, or lust, or failures, or regrets. Those things, I, the more I tried, the, the less better I got at trying to have victory over it. And it wasn't till I recognized the true situation of my heart was that I'm broken, I'm undone, and I'm an evil mess without God. That's the truth. And so God comes into the world. And I look at, we look at the status today. I see people weeping without hope. I see people unable to see a way through. I see people captive to their sins and their thought life. And to me, it's only a sign that there is coming an eternity without God. It's been said before. I don't know if it's a truly biblical statement, but I guess it kind of works, is that for us believers, this is the most hell you'll ever experience. But for the unbeliever, this is the most heaven you'll ever experience on this earth is right now. Because this symptom of what we see the world broken into, people get over to passions and lust and immorality and greed and brokenness and war and hate and violence. This is only just a foretaste and a foreshadow of a coming hell and eternity without God. It's a symptom and just a precursor to an unimaginable eternity that awaits the unbelieving heart. And for that reason, God had a plan for us. But before we get into that, I want to ask us today, do we recognize there is hell all around us? For the murder, the suicide, the hate, the division, the divorce, the loneliness, the rape, the abuse, the adultery, the death, the suffering in this world, how normal has it become? It's not normal. It's just another day on the news. Just another day that one of our wildlife agents was shot this weekend. Just another day in the news. Just another day that we had an airport shooting and... Florida, just another day in the news that there was a bombing here or a bombing there, or this or that. Just another day that we killed 44 million babies this year. Just another day. There's hell on earth, church. 
It's because the devil rules this world. But God had a plan. Somebody say amen. He would raise up a kingdom of priests. He would raise up a kingdom of priests and he chose this little old nation called Israel. And the story goes like this, that God saw fit to have a plan to send Jesus Christ at just the right time, this great Redeemer, this great Messiah, this great King to change all the status quo of the things we just saw. And he chose this little nation named Israel. And back in the day, he chose him through a man named Abraham, a man of faith, uh, who by faith became righteous. And he would use and see them through. And in, and in their mercy and their, their slavery to sin in Egypt, he'd call them out of bondage. And in Exodus chapter, 9, X8, sorry, Exodus chapter 19, he says, Now because I've called you out of this bondage, and I've called you my son, my child, my children, he says, you're going to be a peculiar people to me. You're going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation for my own possession. Because through you, I'm going to show something. I'm going to show the world a little taste of heaven. I'm going to show the world the Messiah through you. But along the way, I'm going to show you a foretaste of heaven. So God comes along and he, he tells them this great prophetic statement. And we begin to see the prophets tell of a great Messiah, a great king that's going to come and rule the world and usher in heaven on earth. And meanwhile, until that very day that God could come and bring the great deliverer, he would give them things like uh, uh, the law and he'd give them things like the temple. And if you go back and you study the things of the temple and, uh, and a lot of that Jewish feasts and things, he began to organize this perfection. Man, there was gold that had to be chiseled just right. There was the feet of the curtain had to be just so and, and dyed a certain way and cut a certain way. And they had to be the exact right things, in the exact right places. And he was foreshadowing something. It was saying, this is symbolic of my heavenly kingdom come to earth. And he would show them what heaven would look like. And he said, if you would obey my law, and if my law would be in your heart, you know what would happen? There'd be no sickness in your camp. If you would obey my law in your heart, you wouldn't have murder, adultery, coveting, lying, cheating. All of you, if the Ten Commandments were in your heart, man, this would be a perfect society. This would be heaven on earth. But here's what happened. The prophet Samuel comes along and they, the kingdom of God at that time had fallen to a disarray. And they say, well, we really want a, a man to rule us. We'll talk about this more tonight in our second series. We really want a man to rule us. So they chose a man named Saul. Uh, Saul. And Samuel said, this isn't what you want to do because remember, only God is your king. But they said, no, we need somebody tangible. Mm. We need something real from this world to show us how to go. We need somebody to see in battle, fight ahead of us so that we can follow somebody on this world. And, and yeah, we love God, but we really want a man. Lord, help us. We're looking not for just an earthly thing, but for a heavenly solution to an earthly problem. They rejected the kingship of God on that day. And they chose Saul and we know the story, and we'll talk more about that later on. But what happens in this story is that God called His people a kingdom of priests. He gave them a pattern, a template of heaven. But they rejected the kingship of God in 1 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to tell you today, even the best, most religious people in our hearts have rejected God as king. My heart in its natural state rejects the authority of God and His kingship. 
No matter what religious pattern we try to follow, you can have the whole temple, every bowl since uh, the, the perfect cow, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect all that we see through the people of Israel, that what we needed was the presence of God to come into our hearts. The relig- they had the perfect religion. They had the perfect rules. They had the perfect society. They had it all planned out. And today, you can have your whole life planned out before God. Let me tell you, hell is outside these four walls waiting to take you down. And you can come to church all you want. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can memorize all the verses you want. But if you lack the presence of God in your life, you're nothing outside these four walls. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. And it comes when Jesus Christ is reigning king in my heart. Church, I'm tired of seeing good Christian people fall. I am. I'm tired of seeing young people raised in the church fall to the world. We are the kingdom of God. We are winners. We're victorious. We're overcomers more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if the problem of why we see so many things happening in the church today is like Israel, we're trying to follow a religious pattern without experiencing God spiritually. Because Scripture is clear, soon because of the brokenness of the world, because of the kingdom of darkness that rules and reigns in this earth, the pattern of our heart will quickly follow the desires of this world. Without the presence of God continually within us, we will quickly build ourselves up in pride. Without the presence of God within us, we'll quickly fall to our flesh and to the immorality of this world. Until we see God's light. And that's where Jesus comes in. There's a kingdom of heaven, though. And that's the good news. Isaiah chapter 9 told us that there would be this king, this, this son would come. And it said that in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the shadow of death, in Galilee, a light would shine. Man, that's one of the best, coolest Christmas statements ever. It's just like this opening to a movie. You know, it's like this, this whole bad story's been told. And the kingdom that God tried to start with man fell to religion and, and idolatry. And they begin to worship men as their leaders and not God. But then it says, in the midst of all that darkness, in a little place called Galilee, a light began to shine. Jesus Christ was born. And Isaiah tells us that he would, uh, in this, while we were sitting in the shadows, a light would dawn on us. And it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, that he would break the yoke of slavery off of men. It said that he would end the authority of the oppressor. And a light would shine in the darkness. John chapter 1 kind of really hits it home. And he says, uh, the apostle John wrote, he said, In him, Jesus, was the life of And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Few people in that day understood, just like today, few people understood that Jesus Christ was the King of who He was and what He had come to do, because they didn't recognize the darkness of this world. They had no clue to the depravity of our mind and why we had wars and why we have abortion and why we have adultery and why we have rape and incest and all the murder and the terrorism, why we have all this stuff. Because this king comes and light begins to shine. But it says they didn't comprehend it. They were saying things like this. Who in the world is this that even demons obey this guy? Who in the world is this that even the wind and the waves obey this guy? What's up with this? 
We don't know anything like this. This isn't in our religious textbooks. This isn't in anything we've seen on CNNBC or MSNBC. This isn't stuff we're seeing going on right now. Man, what if today the kingdom of God came to Gina, Louisiana, central Louisiana, and to your hearts and your homes and my heart and my home, and things began to happen that people said, what in the world is going on? Oh, yeah, they'd love to cover another Gina 6 episode on the news. They surely would. But what about when the kingdom of God comes to a city and a community and lives begin to get changed and the dead begin to get raised and the sick begin to get healed and the hopeless begin to have hope and the loveless begin to have love and the joyless begin to have joy? That's the kingdom of heaven coming to a place in a community when those who are in the lack of control of their mind, walking in the ineffectiveness, the futility of their mind, couldn't get it together on their own, lost in drugs, could be down in the ditch today, but by the grace and the power of God, they're walking in their right mind. They're married. They're raising their kids in godliness. They're not bound by the sins of evil anymore, but man, they're living a holy and righteous life. That's the kingdom of God. And it came... When Jesus said of himself in John chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Jesus comes to those who are bound in slavery, those oppressed and tormented in their minds, who've lost their way in this life and can't find peace. He comes to those whose identities have been stolen. He's not this little weak, little religious postcard or a little TBN television show, or he's not... He is the king who's come to make a way for those who had no way, for those who are looking for love in all the wrong places, those who are burdened and guilty under religion, those who are headed eternal death and have no hope of salvation. He's come to the weak and the weary. One author wrote this. He said, when God's kingdom shines, sinners are forgiven, the lost are found, and the dead are brought to life. Jesus comes, and unlike what happened with Israel, He doesn't just offer this religious pattern, this religious template, but He offers the real deal. They just had a template, a foreshadow of heaven, but God comes, Jesus in, in, in the flesh, and He comes and He brings heaven on earth. They just had a little symbol. I think so many today, uh, we have our little symbols of heaven. We have our little uh, Christian uh, uh, clubs, if you will. We have our little little things that we, if we do all this right, this is what will please God. If we get our lives in this little nice little neat box and if we would look perfect and act perfect and wear the nice clothes, I tell you what, there are so many Christians I, I hear about and see that they try to put the masquerade on on Sunday mornings, but when I really get down and sit down with them, I find out their life is in shambles and ruins, falling apart. But they keep trying to keep the face on. They keep holding on to that little template of heaven, that little well, if I can just make it look perfect, if I don't tell people we have marital problems, if I don't tell people my kids are in rebellion and addicted to drugs, if I just try to hold it all together and put the good positive Facebook posts on, and if I just don't you know, cry when people talk to me, and I can just keep it going. They're broken. They're undone. And we need the presence of God to come down in our life. Man, we need a revival of hearts, church. I'm tired of just going through the motions. I'm tired of just counseling people through depravity and situations and circumstances, just ruling and reigning in the church that people in this community, if you don't 
if you ought to come to our Celebrate Recovery sometime, I just tell you, just to hear the stories of what's really going on in the world today. But heaven has come to earth. Jesus comes and He brings the light, the presence, and the glory of God. Today, you can live in a new reality that's really, really real. More real than this earth is real. Heaven is real on this earth. Jesus comes so that you can experience heaven on earth. You can have power in your powerlessness, true joy in your sadness, love in your loneliness, hope in your hopelessness, and victory in your defeats. And what did he say? He said, the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of... Man, that's good news. And that's where we get the word, the gospel. The gospel is not just this thing that we say the word, the gospel... The gospel is the good news. The king has come. Heaven is here. That's why it's good news. The good news is that heaven has come. How many people today want to relocate and have a new residence in heaven? I'm ready to get... I'm I'm going to change my address from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I want to relocate my address. Because Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to close up with this. He says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let me say this. Today, we may have people in this room, and you might be one of them, our family, our friends, that are dead in our sins, walking according to this world, a prince in the power of the air, according to a a hell-like spirit within our hearts. There may be areas of your life that you are indulging into the things of darkness, things of the flesh, the desires of your mind, and all these things. And whether you have a relationship with God or not, there can be areas in our heart that are given over to these places. We don't have total victory in areas of our heart. There may be someone here today that's, that is uh, considering doing something that's going to lead to uh, destruction in your marriage. It's going to lead to destruction in your relationships. It's, there could be things we've been touring around with. I, I tell you, church, I, the, some of the most perfect people I counsel just to find out that behind the scenes, they were holding on to identities about a relationship with a man or a woman, or they were holding on to uh, beliefs or, or thoughts in their life. They kept going over and over again and just playing around with those things in their heart, just playing around with a little bit, playing around with a little bit. And that darkness began to creep in until they were unaware that it had a complete hold on their life. It happens every day. Today, that may be happening, as the Apostle Paul says, that we may be living in the desires of our flesh. We may be indulging them with our minds. We may be doing it secretly. But we might wake up one day as a child of wrath under the judgment of God. But here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But he says, I love it, because that's how he starts the passage. And then he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, which with He loved us, that even when we were dead in our transgressions, our rebellion and our sin, He was willing to make us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been and you can be saved. How do you do that? Jesus Christ made it very simple. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. We have good news today that the King has come that the kingdom is here. 
And while we see all this darkness around us, we can have the light of God living and breathing within us. The kingdom can be in our hearts. And he told the Apostle Paul in Acts 26, he says, I'm sending you out, Paul, because I want you to turn people from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who've been made holy by faith. That is the mission of you and I today. Jesus Christ would say to us today, just as did the Apostle Paul, I have a mission for you. Just like I tried to use Israel with the template of heaven, I've called you, church, as the kingdom of light. I've put light in you. I've put heaven into your hearts. You are heaven on earth. This place, this group of people, not the church, but these people together, we formulate a community of kingdom saints, of a royal priesthood that says we live in an economy and a, and a spirituality and a dominion and a kingdom unlike the kingdom of man, unlike the kingdom of this world. And in our hearts and in our lives, light reigns. And we comprehend it. We understand that God's light is good and it shines. And Jesus told his disciples before he left, he said, walk in the light. John chapter 12, he says, walk in the light and darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. But while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Here's the simple truth of the matter. Today, there's hell and darkness all around us. It's in the midst of our churches. It's in the midst of even the best of us. It, we're affected by all of it. We're, we're nature. Our nature is into it. But when we repent and we say, God, you are king, you are Lord of every area of my heart, of my emotions, my thoughts, and my convictions, my feelings, my desires, my career, my, my future relationships, my current relationships, all of that you're king over. And every day from then on, you know what I do? My goal is when I sense that darkness creeping in, that depression of the world, that, that sin, that temptation, that, that pride, that lust coming back in, that darkness trying to creep in my heart, I say, no, Jesus is king here. Jesus, you're king here. God, you have that part of my heart. I reject that devil. Satan, you can't have any in my life. You can't have any of this light. God, I, I seek your Holy Spirit. May heaven come and visit me in this moment of my prayer. God, may heaven come down in this moment. God, I, darkness is trying to creep into my heart. I got that unforgiveness, got that anger, got that pride, got that lust, got that, that thing, God, that's pulling me away. But God, be king in my heart. I pray for the salvation of your souls and your family's souls that God's light would shine mightily. I pray in the coming months and weeks and years that God's kingdom would just move in Gina, Louisiana. I'm praying for light to shine in the darkest places of our community because we are the kingdom of heaven on this earth. You may be struggling with things in your family, situations you can't control, circumstances that are too big for you. Why don't you remember the king has come and heaven is here. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Would everyone bow their heads? Let's just wait upon the Lord just for a moment here today.